Salutations, howlers. Couple quick warnings before we get started here today. <laughs> the first warning this podcast contains adult content. Aaron has a very important message. Don't be a pixie, you pixie. Second warning this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising universe. If you have not read the books, please go read them and then come back and listen to every single episode of the podcast. Do it. Where can you find us on social media, Aaron? At HowlerPod, H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email HowlerPod at gmail.com. And now, HowlerPod. The heroes of Red Songs have mercy, honor, they let men live as I let the jackal live, so they can remain untarnished by sin. Let the villain be the evil one, but this is no song, this is war. Hello, Howlers! Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising series by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. We have come to talk to you guys about Morning Star. Thine favorite book of thine Aaron Howler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm extremely excited to do this reread. I'm really uh, looking forward to diving into some Morning Star. You know, I was excited, and then the book started, and I was like, God damn, I'm depressed. A little bit of a downer. A little bit of a hard, tough start, but I mean, ultimately he breaks out, right? So he that's doesn't good. do shit. That's true. The Nakamura's <laughs> break him out. <laughs> Which chapters are we reading today? Chapters one through seven, and again, that is in book three, <laughs> Morning Star. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and figure out what happened in these chapters. Let's load up the star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully, we don't shit our suits. Uh, that would be bad, as always. Well, we're not wearing suits, so <laughs> it'd be a weird time to shit. We're podcasting in the nude today. <laughs> <laughs> Just not in my star shell. All right, part one, Thorns. Chapter one, Only the Dark. We find Darrow alone, bound, and imprisoned in a small stone space, so small that he is unable to stand or to even stretch his body. He has no idea how long he has been in prison there. Time is lost. There is only darkness. He's going crazy. Like, he's really going <laughs> really effing crazy. His mind is racing. He's thinking of his friends, his family, of Mustang and EO. He's talking to himself and also, like, hearing voices from his head. He's screaming and being driven mad, basically. He wishes for death and that... And then we learn that he can escape this prison if he says to the jackal, I am broken. But if he says that, it comes at a cost. The jackal has told Darrow that he has his family. And if Darrow admits that he's broken, then the jackal will free him and give him food and pinks and a life of luxury. But he will kill Darrow's whole family. 
Daryl toys with the idea and almost talks himself into it before deciding that he would rather die than give up his family. Death is all that Daryl feels like he deserves. He begins to slam his head into the stone, attempting to kill himself. But before the very last slam of the head, <laughs> the stone begins to rumble and the roof cracks open and there's a sharp sword of blazing light that comes in. That takes us to Chapter 2, Prisoner L17L6363. The stone ceiling around Darrow splits, and he learns that the jackal has been keeping him inside a hollow marble table in his dining room. The jackal presents Darrow to his guests, Cassius and Aja. They barely recognize Darrow due to his decrepit state. Aja tells Cassius to confirm this really is Darrow. Cassius leans down to look at Darrow, and Darrow can see the pity in his eyes. Cassius then covers the naked Darrow with his own cloak. Jackal goes on to tell them that Darrow has been in the table for nine months after he was interrogated for three months before that. Cassius and Aja are here to pick Darrow up and take him back to the Sovereign, where he will then be dissected. Cool, 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 cool. Creepy. <laughs> Aja asks the Jackal about his efforts to end the Sons of Ares-led revolt on Mars, as well as his methods, quote-unquote, methods for doing so. The Jackal has been using death squads and liquidation protocols to wipe out entire mines for rebelling against him. The Jackal explains that for those who war like the Reds, fear and extermination is the only method. He's nasty. He's a pretty fucked up dude. Yeah. We, we still don't like him. If you were wondering, we still don't like him. We're out on the jackal. Yeah, we're totally out. <laughs> Chapter three, snake bite. Darrow is taken into a processing room for the board of quality control to be cleaned up and checked out before he's taken to Luna. A squad of greys from Legio... 13. 13. <laughs> Uh-oh, now you know I can't read Roman numerals. <laughs> I just looked panicked at <laughs> A squad of greys from Legio 13 Dracones, also known as the Dragoons, the Ash Lord's favorite legion of soldiers, also known as like the nastiest best killers. Mm -hmm. They're guarding Darrow while he is checked out by the Yellow Doctor. Just before they are to sedate Darrow to load him up, the squad leader is shot in the face by one of his own as a second squad member begins to shoot the other squad members. A lot of squads. <laughs> Basically, the <laughs> Nakamura's holiday and trig kill everybody. Mm -hmm. um, then they proceed to tell Darrow that they are sons of Ares and that they are there to rescue him. We're sons of Ares. We're here to rescue you. Yes. That's from Star Sir? Wars. That's fine. Oh, I was like, okay. <laughs> Star Wars, cool. Darrow I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. <laughs> Darrow, Darrow does not believe them, and he thinks that they're tricking him or that uh, the Jackal's playing another uh, game with him because he's all effed up in the head. So the Greys give him his razor in an effort to get Darrow to trust them, but he still does not believe them. Holiday then makes a call on her data pad and tosses it to Darrow. 
a hologram appears showing the spiked helmet of Ares. But this ain't Fitchner. It's Severo. Woo! You look like you crawled out of a skeleton's cooch or something. (laughs) (laughs) He tells Darrow to trust his sons, and Darrow says, cool, will do. (laughs) He then tells Severo that the jackal has his family, but Severo's like, nah, dude, I have your family. Screw that little son of a bitch. Way to go, Severo. Severo uh, went to Lycos and saved Darrow's family right after uh, the triumph where Darrow was captured. Darrow ends the call and agrees to trust these greys, but tells them he can barely stand up, let alone run away. They tell him that they brought him a little cocktail, and then Holiday jams a syringe into Darrow's heart. Darrow freaks out, his whole body does, as the cocktail hits him, and he's cussing and falling over, and he could probably break a table in half as the energy courses through his body. Now he's ready. It's a real Pulp Fiction moment. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Chapter 4, Cell 2187. Trig and Holiday escort Darrow out of the processing room like a prisoner with a hood on his head. They enter a grav lift and begin to descend to a hangar bay below. On the way down, the grav lift stops and a gold joins them in the elevator. Darrow recognizes the voice of the gold as Vixis. Vixus begins talking to Trig and Holiday and mentions sticking their quote-unquote insidian prisoner in with the Julii bitch, a.k.a. Victra, and watch them fight over supper. As soon as Darrow hears Vixus refer to Victra, he tells Holiday to kill the camera, pulls out his hidden razor, rips off his hood, and stabs Vixus through the shoulder, pinning him to the wall behind. Darrow then tries to headbutt Vixus, but is totally wobbled by the blow, falls to the ground. Trig, acting quickly, pulls his gun and sticks it in Vix's mouth before he is able to do any damage with his own razor. Holiday is obviously upset with Darrow. She's like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, ruining the plan, Darrow. <laughs> but he tells them he won't leave Victra behind. They force Vixus to tell them where she is located and tell him if he enters the code for her cell, he can live. If not... He's going to die. Holiday and Trig agree to help Darrow save Victra. They go to level 23 where Victra is located and Vixus takes them to her cell. She's being tortured like Darrow, except instead of darkness and nothingness, her torture is light and sound all the time. Victra kind of freaks out and attacks them when they open her cell. Trig then hits her with a couple of tranquilizer darts, putting her out. They throw Vixus in the cell as they leave, but then he decides to mouth off with to Darrow, he's like, tell tell Barco we're coming for him. Darrow's like, what What was that? What was that? Excuse me, honey. <laughs> I don't think so. He pulls out his razor. It slithers into a sling blade. And then he tells Vixus, I need you to send a message to the jackal. And then he slashes him across the throat. Darrow watches him bleed out. And sirens begin to wail in the background. Darrow's not making all the best decisions. (laughs) And I think this is where we first see, what do we call him, Darrow Darko? Yeah. (laughs) This is where Darrow gets a little evil. Yeah. He's like... He's on the path. I'm just going to go ahead and kill this guy. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to start killing people now (laughs) because not killing people hasn't gone my way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Chapter 5, Plan C. 
Darrow, Trig, Holiday, and the unconscious Victra are in the elevator. They get stopped between the 24th and the 25th floors because the elevator has been overridden and redirected to the first level where all the lurchers will be waiting for them. They know Darrow is in there. Time for Plan C, a.k.a. Escalation. Trig instructs Darrow to drag Victra and Holiday pulls out an EMP. That's good that she brought that. Good job, <laughs> Holiday. The elevator doors open. Lurchers shoot stun grenades into the elevator, and then Holiday detonates the EMP and all the high-tech weapons in range, which is like a pretty big range, go dead. Holiday and Trig use their antique weapons, a.k.a. the ones with gunpowder and not, you know, modern technology, and they shoot their way through the lurcher squads. Darrow is struggling, and Harmony has to support him as they run. Before they make it out, the Jackal's forces start shooting back with gas-powered backup weapons. Finally, they find a service door, and they make it outside. They cross a paved bridge to an abandoned landing pad. There's snow and ice on the ground, and a cold wind is whipping, and it's snowing. Beyond the landing pad, there is a thousand-meter drop to your death. Mm-hmm. Holiday and Trig are almost out of ammo. Trig runs back down the bridge to plant his remaining mines. Three minutes, Holiday says, but the snow has stopped falling. Uh-oh. Chapter 6, Victims. A defensive shield rips, ripples up over Attica, cutting off any help from beyond it. No ships coming in. No ships coming in. Can't get out. Crack, crack, crack. Squad of greys with gas-powered rifles begin exchanging shots with Trig, who's pinned down on the bridge. Holiday tries to cover him from the landing pad, but Trig is hit in the shoulder. Holiday is hit under the armpit into her lung as well. Darrow helps her shoot a stem shot into her neck. The greys stop shooting. A gold is coming. Darrow can feel it. Trig, run, he shouts. Trig begins running, slipping, falling on the ice. Aja, I'll grimace, rips out the door. At full speed, she easily catches Trig with her long, powerful legs. Holiday and Darrow shoot at Aja, but she twists and sidesteps all their shots. Aja reaches Trig and stabs him through the chest with her razor, lifting him into the air easily with one arm. Trig hangs from the end of her weapon. Darrow pulls his razor, makes a move to go out and help Trig, but Holiday pulls him back down. Aja taunts Darrow and then tosses Trig off the bridge to fall 200 meters to his death. Or, well, he's probably already dead, but more death. Double death. (laughs) Holiday shoots at Aja with her empty rifle a dozen times before Darrow pulls her back down just as a shot hits her gun and mangles her finger. Cassius calls to Darrow. Slag this, Darrow says as he hauls Victor and Holiday out of their hiding place to the far edge of the landing pad. Cassius and Aja stand at the other edge of the landing pad on the bridge with more than 50 greys and obsidians. Cassius calls Darrow terrorist and talks about honor. Darrow tells Cassius he's alone, but Darrow is not alone. He has his friends. Listen to the wind, Cassius. Listen to the bloody damn wind. Aja and Cassius still don't understand. It's the sound of a claw drill gnawing through rock up through the heart of the planet. Goodbye, Cassius. Expect me. That's so dope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look out, Cassius. (laughs) Darrow pushes off the ledge into open air, dragging Holiday and Victor with him. 
so cool. <laughs> Chapter 7, Bumblebees. The three fall through the air as a quadrille bursts through the ground, taking out half a city block. The ground is rushing up too fast. They're falling too quickly. Darrow jumped too soon. But no. Oh! <laughs> Sons of Ares. They burst through the hole in the ground made by the quadrille with grav boots. Several grabs Victor just before she's impaled on a skyscraper. <laughs> Ragnar catches Darrow and Holiday and tosses Holiday to another son. Hold fast, little brother, <laughs> Ragnar says as he puts Darrow on his back and zooms back into the hole in the ground with an army of suns covering them. As they fly through the tunnel, Darrow is hit in the shoulder with pulse fire. A son in front of Ragnar is hit in the grav boots, melting his legs and slamming him into the ceiling where his body explodes. His helmet flies back and hits Darrow and Darrow blacks out. Darrow then wakes up. They're on a ship. People are screaming and dying around him. Someone is tending to Darrow's wounds, pressing a mask to his mouth. He looks over. A dying boy touches Darrow's hand. He's lying right beside him. His armor is melted tight to him, and he's basically melting to death inside <laughs> his armor. He mouths Darrow's name and then dies. Woo! And Let's that's start. the end of... <laughs> <laughs> today's chapter summaries all right now that we know what happened in these chapters let's talk about the theme that ties them all together the theme is brokenness broken down darrow all broken <laughs> all men break <laughs> basically we have a very broken darrow body and spirit and mine. And mine. <laughs> He's fucked up in the head. <laughs> We've got a lot of quotes to talk about here, but yeah, basically, this basically, is a, where is old Darrow? He's not there. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's insecure. He's weak. His body isn't working. His nails are all scraggly and disgusting. Right. This is a new person, basically, and one that's been completely broken down, and he's going to have to build himself back up, which we'll see in the upcoming yeah. chapters, but... He's not even really a person anymore. Right. I think it's just an interesting starting place. You don't see this happen a lot to main characters in stories like this. Yeah, like and literally like worse off than he was when he was a red. Right. And uh, it's a really cool choice by Pierce. I think that's part of why he had such a hard time. Like he has talked about like he had a hard time starting these books. Or this book, I mean. This book, this yeah. This particular book. And that's probably why. It's like this is a really hard place to take darrow be in his head at this point maybe it's because he knew who was gonna die in this book <laughs> and he maybe didn't so. want to kill him maybe he shouldn't have killed him <laughs> so let's start with some quotes here and this is darrow in the darkness like his lowest point yep he's been driven completely mad he says i slam my head into the stone and scream at the darkness to go away it cannot trick me it cannot break me didn't you know? All men break. Its high cackle mocks me, stretching forever, and I know it is right. All men break. I already did under his torture. Talking about the jackal, obviously. Yeah, so we learn that Darrow has already kind of betrayed himself by giving up his friends and family. Mm -hmm. So he, he doesn't think he deserves to live, but he's still hanging on for some reason. Barely. Barely. Yep. And then about At the end of this chapter, <laughs> yeah. he's like, I'm going to kill myself. About two paragraphs later, all he says is, All that's left, the only 
honorable path for me is death before I betray even more of who I am. So we're joining Darrow at the point where he's ready to slam his head into a rock until he dies. It's a dark, dark place to start. <laughs> I bet if I were there, I'd like, like start to like go towards it and be like, nah, I can't. I can imagine being nine months in a solitary With your hands in behind darkness, your back. not being able to move. Right. Think about when you wake up and you're like, on, you slept on your arm the wrong way and it's like totally asleep. It's like that, but like plus nine months. <laughs> yeah. And no semblance of day or night or time. And naked and <laughs> you'd be going drinking so crazy. your own blood just to taste something. Darrow is so broken that by the time this table's op- table opens up and Cassius is looking down at him, he's like, the way he looks at me is sad, nearly tender. What a shadow of myself I must be to earn pity from a man I've hurt so deeply. Think about that. Like Even Cassius is like, Jackal, you went too far. This is totally messed up. Right. Cassius hates him. He thinks at this point that Darrow murdered his, his entire family. His like nieces and nephews. Yeah. The and children. Th- and then Darrow's in such a horrid state. That even Cassie's like, wow, I feel bad for this guy. Right. Like someone get him a blanket. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after he realizes Cassius is pitying him, mm-hmm. the quote is, I finally look down at my body past my ratty beard to see what he means. I am a corpse, skeletal and pallid. Ribs erupt from my skin thinner than the film atop heated milk. Knees jut from spindly legs. Toenails have grown long and grasping. Gross. Scars from the jackal's torture model my flesh. Muscle has withered. Blech. He's just a complete shell of himself at this point. And that runs throughout all these chapters. Like he has a hard time walking. He has to have the snake bite to, you know, like basically animate himself. He looks like Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably a really apt uh, comparison for Except sure. Gollum can actually like walk and <laughs> run around. My precious. Then it uh, goes on to when he's in the processing room. And this is like even more shows you just how broken Darrow's spirit is. Think about how much Darrow hates Grays. And then think about this Grays like popping him on the side of the head, like trying to pop his eardrum and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, and this is Darrow's quote. He says, tears leak from my eyes, not from the pain, but from the casualness of his cruelty. It makes me feel so small. Why does it take so little for him to hurt me so much? It almost makes me miss the box. That's when he cracks his toenail in half. This is a man with a completely Blech. broken spirit. Like, yeah, he's like, just put me back in my box. That's what I'm used to. Right. He can't, like, this, our Darrow, like, he would fight back against us. Like, what is going oh, on yeah, here? yeah, he'd rip that dude apart. Yeah. And it's just to the point where he's been through so much torture, been so broken by the jackal. That he has no pride or defiance left. Right. He's fucking just, he's like, he can't even, I feel small. It's like, why does he have to hurt me? I'm just like, I want to be left alone. Right. Put me back <laughs> in my book. <laughs> Also, uh, it was interesting, you know, when he did get out of the box, he was alone for so long that he was, like, thankful even to see the jackal's face. Just oh, yeah. to see, like, another human. Just to see another human being yeah. and know that he's, like, not 
insane. Right. And, like, and not like totally alone. Right. Like that's a bad place where when you're happy to see the jackal. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even you think know? about it that way. Yeah. Like I would never be happy to see the jackal. So moving on, besides being broken and weak and crying and pitiful. Broken mentally. He's also yeah. broken physically. He yeah. um he also like literally can't fight back even if he wanted to. He has no muscle mass. His muscles have atrophied. He can't even walk. Mm-hmm. And when he gets his razor back, he says, The blade would tell me I'm a god, as it has told generations of men who came before me. But I now know the lie in that. The terrible price it's made men pay for pride. It scares me to hold it again. Mm-hmm. Darrow's scared to hold yep. his razor, the <laughs> yep. thing that like Ragnar was scared to hold because he has been taught that it's for a god. Right. So even Darrow, who had to convince obsidians that it's not scary to hold it, now he's scared to hold it. Yeah, he's one of the, like literally one of the best people with a razor in the entire solar system. Yeah, he and beat the morning night and cut <laughs> off his arm. <laughs> he can't. He doesn't want to hold it. He doesn't want to fight with it. He doesn't believe that he, he should even... Fight. Yeah, he should have it. Yeah. He's totally broken. Yep. Then when Vixis is in the elevator and Darrow's being a dumbass, like <laughs> blowing his cover, he says, uh, I move clumsy but fast, snapping my hands out of the shackles. I pull free my hidden razor with one hand and rip off my hood with the other. I stab Vixis through the shoulder, pin him to the wall, and headbutt him in the face but I'm not what I was, even with the drugs. My vision swims. I stumble. He doesn't. And before I can react, before I can even focus my vision, Vixis pulls his own razor. Right. So even like Vixis, who's a little pixie, and we hate him, <laughs> like he could easily beat Daryl right now in a razor fight. Yeah, and Daryl would normally be able to take him completely you know like yeah flick him like a fly right so yeah not only is he broken in spirit he's obviously broken in body at that point too and then kind of where this takes him mentally he goes to this really dark place where he's not feeling love he's not feeling the friendship or anything like that it's more just like hate welling up inside of him and dark darrow very this is yeah this is dark darrow right now (laughs) and this is when vixus decides to mouth off which i mean vixus this is your own fault really like just keep those comments to yourself and maybe you don't get a razor to the throat but also this is a new darrow darrow normally does not kill like this yeah um he will kill somebody obviously in battle or whatever but not like this without any kind of mercy at this point, but he has reached a point where saying like, I used to not kill my enemies and that look where that got me. Now here I am. And he says, Vixus wants pity. My pity was lost in the darkness. And then uh, later on he goes, I don't feel hope. I don't feel love. It's the hate that rides hate too for what I've become. I feel Trigg's eyes. No, he's disappointed. He wanted the reaper. And I'm just a withered husk of a man. Really only driven by hate at this point, kind of. like Totally. Yeah. 
It's not like we don't see him. He's empty. Remember when Darrow's like at his darkest places in the previous books? He's more like he falls back on Eo's dream and like I want this to come through and I've right. got to break the chains. He's been in a dark place. Right. That's not going on anymore. That's not what's in his head. It's not no, I want to create like, something better. It's not I want to break the chains or like rise, let, let people rise up. It's hate that drives him at this point. That's it, yeah. Which is kind of scary. He's He just wants to kill people. Right. And the people that, you know, have hurt him. Mm-hmm. So then Daryl's also feeling ashamed because mm-hmm. um, even though he's in this dark place, he still has a lot of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Like he realizes what he looks like and how he's not who he was. Um, he's All his pride is gone. He's feeling really ashamed. Um he says, that mask of the reaper gnawed away by doubt and darkness. I am just a boy, and I shiver and cower and hide from my enemies because I know the price of failure, and I am so very afraid. And we've seen Darrow afraid previously, but it's usually greeted with him roaring back, saying, I'm going to you like know, fight charging. this fear. Exactly. Like, I don't need to... Uh, I, I am afraid. He like recognizes that he's afraid, but he's like, I am the Reaper, and I will fight against this. Rage into the night. Exactly, that type of thing. He's not raging here. There's he's no cowering. more raging. Yeah. <laughs> and then he also says, while he's still on the landing pad, the sight I must make, a tottering, withered form, dragging my friends, sunken eyes, face like that of a starving old demon, bearded and ridiculous. It's pitiful. Yeah, that's when he's like talking. He's thinking about Cassius, like looking at him, and right mm-hmm. before he's about to drag. And Cassius uh, looking fine. He got his new arm. <laughs> he's got two arms now. Yeah, he's about to drag Holiday and Victor off the side, and it's just like, uh, he's so scared in that moment. But he's ultimately he's able to help Victor and Holiday and save them, which is great i mean this gets daryl back back on the right track here at the very end yeah but it's really his friends and his support system the sons that get him to that place it's not daryl doing it himself yeah no daryl yeah clearly would have died many times (laughs) yeah if not for trig and holiday and the sons for sure i love that point where they tell him you know like you need to chill the fuck out yeah like get behind us this is our job (laughs) like holiday you know is like you're my you're the mission right you know like not even after her baby brother dies Mm -hmm. she's still like you're the mission i can't let you die right even though she's like bleeding out (laughs) (laughs) love the nakamuras (laughs) yeah so that brings us past our theme of brokenness brokenness like the movie glass oh he's like the guy in the chair he's very glassy yeah at this point it's good. Good call. Our prime five now, which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters, is the next segment. So number one is the whole table cell thought process. Like mm-hmm. out of all the places Darrow could have been imprisoned, he's placed in a marble table <laughs> where people have been eating above him and they don't even know it. Um, yeah, I love how he's like hearing voices and he can't decide if they're in his head or 
they're outside, you know, and it's and like he thinks the silverware is like bones clattering yeah. or something. He starts he like, making all those connections afterwards. He's yeah. like, Whoa, he's wow. like, oh, that they're it's just like diabolical, chomping above my head while I'm starving <laughs> and melting away. So, and I was terrible. thinking that Pierce has some really fucked up plans <laughs> for his enemies. Yeah. So don't fuck with Pierce. He'll put you at a table. <laughs> Like, how do you think of that? That's really messed up. It is. That's like worse than, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's that's like everyone's nightmare. Somehow. I uh, I would not want to be Pierce's enemy. No, he'll put you at a tiny table. Description. <laughs> and then also Victra's cell with like the being tortured with light and sound, and she's paralyzed still. So mm-hmm. that kept her alive just to torture her. Right. That's yeah, I like how up. they had, like, not like, but it's kind of interesting how, like, the dichotomy between the two types of torture. Uh-huh. Like, Darrow's yeah, all darkness and nothingness, and he's just left to his own thoughts, like, and that's perfect for Darrow because he will just drive himself crazy like mm-hmm. he does, you know? And then with Victra, uh, she has, it's all light and sound, and it's just a constant assault on her, which makes more sense kind of for her personality. It's basically, don't mess with Pierce Prince. Yeah. <laughs> he'll he'll come up with some sick <laughs> shit to torture you. With. Luckily, we're all we're all friends with Pierce. We're all friends. <laughs> yeah. He liked your tweet. <laughs> yeah, we love you, Pierce. That's all we want. <laughs> You're a great writer, and <laughs> we would never say anything bad about you. Ever. <laughs> all right, that takes us to uh, number two on our Prime Five list. We've got a couple foreshadowing moments. Which we love. <laughs> we like to point these out. We've got Severo flying up with his grab boots and saving Victra, which is interesting. I thought, I like that Ragnar, uh, I like that Ragnar saves Darrow. But you would think that the person saving Darrow would be Severo based on their... He's like the only one who even thinks he's alive. Mutual man crush. Yeah, he won't give up on it. Uh-huh. But he goes for Victra, which is maybe maybe the start of some romance. Maybe some foreshadowing. Some romance. Some love. <laughs> I don't know. Also, we hear Trig and Holiday talk about a guy named Ephraim. That is true. And this is the first time that I noticed it. Because I've only read Iron Gold once. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, I know Ephraim. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. Cool. Like, I w- did, how planned out do you think Pierce had this at this point? Like, I feel like he knows everything. <laughs> he must. Do you think he knows like 12 books worth? I don't know. I was like, it didn't seem like when he was writing Morningstar that he was planning to write a sequel to it, you know? Clearly he was. But he must have been. Or, or maybe he took like he had some backstory for Trig and Holiday just as characters that he's kind of fleshing out in his head. And then he decided to use one of those characters for Iron Gold. I picture him having like a whole wall like in a back room <laughs> with like all the different paths of every character <laughs> for like their entire lives. <laughs> I'm know, sure there's yeah, I'm with, sure like, the lines connecting them. For sure. I'm sure yeah, like some yarn and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh he, I'm sure he has like a lot of backstory on people that is not in the books and stuff like that. That kind of informs the characters that they are, and it yeah. seems like that's I mean, the he, case here with Trig and Holiday. 
He has to because they're all so alive. But I'm just wondering if he didn't put if that. He knew if he, yeah, like he threw that nugget of Ephraim in because he knew like I'm going to make Iron Gold and I'm going to use this character ten years down the line, or whether it was something like I use this character in Morningstar and I want to carry it over later. Well, I on. think at this point when he has inspiration later, you know, he knew that Mustang had had a baby, so then he was like, "Well, we have to have another book because." Mustang and Darrow had a baby. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, you know, he's just planning <laughs> their kids' future. Pax. Pax. Another Prime 5 is that Darrow's razor was etched with images of his childhood. We thought this was a really cool tidbit and very meaningful, especially for Darrow in that moment. Um, in the etching show, Eo picking a Hamanthus and like almost smiling, like on the edge of a smile. Mm-hmm. It shows his Darrow's uh, mom and dad kissing at the door, which was like a fond memory that Darrow talked about earlier. And then uh, Leanna, Lauren, and Darrow chasing Kieran down a tunnel. When he receives this from Trig, Holiday says, the golds carve their deeds into their swords. But Ares thought you'd prefer to see the people you love. I love that. Yeah. It's really cool. So instead of, you know, showing conquering and killing, right. it's showing love and like what what's supposed to be backing Darrow. Yeah, that's what inspires him. Like the golds are all about conquest and mm-hmm. pride and, you know, um, domination basically. And Darrow's not about those things. Those those things wouldn't be on his razor like his triumphs wouldn't be because mm-hmm. that's what's important to the golds. But what's important to Darrow is his family and you know, rising, helping these people rise up. Or what should be important to him before he went dark. (laughs) 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 All right, moving on to number four on the Prime 5 list. This was like a huge surprise to me when this, when I first time I read this. Uh This is about how Darrow escaped. So the claw drills coming up from the surface of Mars instead of a ship coming from the sky. Coming from the sky. Super badass. Um, we learn later on that Uncle Nero was the person that led this team of hell divers oh, yeah. with the claw drills. So just hey, really Uncle cool. Hey, Uncle Nero's alive. Yeah. Like when he drops off that cliff, you're just like, holy shit. Like what's going on? For well, a either full, he's going to die yeah, for or a full we're going to have there. a whole book. Yeah. And then it's like the claw drills come up out of the earth. I just think that's a great feint by like by Pierce. Like he, you're thinking... They're going to escape one way. A ship's going to fly in and get them out somehow. That's, that's the, what the Olympic Knights thought. Right. They're like, what are you doing, dude? No one's coming. Yep. And that speaks to like the way the tactics and the way that the Reds fight and the Sons of Ares fight and how because the Golds don't understand them, they can't anticipate the way that yeah. they move. And it also kind of speaks to, it informs like Darrow's military prowess as well. It's like mm-hmm. he uses that strategy a lot. Changes the paradigm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that whole scene, that kind of brings us into our last Prime 5, mm-hmm. which is Pierce's descriptive writing again. This whole sequence is fantastic. It's amazing, yeah. The whole scene where... First, the EMP goes off, and then they escape to the landing pad. You can feel the snow mm-hmm. on your feet and the wind whipping your clothes and your hair. Aja running then, out. Oh, effed up. Oh, God. But, like, and then Daryl's, like, talking about the mount, the seven peaks, mountains yep. of Attica. Like, 
overshadowing the knights, making them look so small. Mm-hmm. And then repeatedly references the like huge drop. Mm-hmm. So you in your mind you like know where they are so that when he jumps it makes sense that there's a thousand meters, even though right. what are meters? <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here Googling, like, meters to feet. Yeah, meters is like, I don't know, it's like three feet or so. We're in America, Pierce. <laughs> We're stupid Americans. Uh, <laughs> yes, the, my favorite part is the the part where they blow the EMP, and it takes out everybody's weapons, and then the elevator doors open, and uh, Trig and Holiday come out, and they just start popping everybody. I just think that's going to yeah, work. Yeah, with their like, gunpowder. If they ever make this thing into a TV show, that's going to be an that's amazing sequence. That's the Matrix. Sequence. Yeah. Where they're walking in the hotel lobby. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And shooting everyone. That's okay. going to be such a cool scene, I feel like, them walking out. By the way, a 1,000-meter drop is 3,280 feet. Yeah. It's that's like a long. A meter's just over three way. feet. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> I needed to know what a thousand meters. <laughs> so Pierce is writing again. Yes, That's that whole sequence. I also I 15. love Aja running out, dude. When that She's happened, scary. the first time I read this book, I was like, "Oh shit, we're back in the Red Rising universe." Like we've yeah. already got this character that I became attached to immediately because Car- Pierce does such a great job of, of characterizing. Care. Yeah. Trig and Holiday very quickly. Like he gives yeah. them a quick backstory that makes you care about them. And Trig's like a fanboy of Darrow's. Yeah. And you're like, oh, Trig's awesome. I love this dude. He's got he's got nice little quips. He really cares about Holiday, obviously. He cares about family. And he and he like admires Darrow and he's like, I will die for you. And then yep. he and actually then he does. does. <laughs> and you're like, and then, shit. And not only does he die, he's like pier- pierced through the heart. And lifted up in the air and then thrown off a cliff where his body like explodes on the rocks. I can just see that. In he my like head. super dies. I know. I can see like Aja like, you know, like doing her jukes and like spins and then. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dude, she's. <laughs> raised her through the back and him just being like, ah! <laughs> They've got to cast like that cool girl from. Um, Black Panther? What kind of forever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That's such a good idea. Uh-huh. The yeah, main the warrior. The lady, Okoye or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Someone as badass She is like her. exactly who I picture in yeah. my mind, Desaja. But she's nice. Yeah. So mean version. Yeah. She could definitely do that because she... She's badass. Yeah. Very, very awesome. That ends our Prime 5, and this takes us to our Primus of the Week. Do-do-do-do! The Primus of the Week is where we choose one or two characters <laughs> who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Ben, who is our Primus of the Week? This week, we've got a twofer. It's the Nakamura's Holiday Tr- and Trig. Trig and Holiday. Woo! Holiday and her baby brother, who did not outlast <laughs> Pierce Brown <laughs> or Aja. But these two obviously win because... They're the only reason Darrow survived the week. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both super badass. They're both members of the Dragoons. Both from Earth. I feel like I wanted to be like Earth represent here. You know, you're like, very planetary. <laughs> like I don't, I don't associate myself with Earth at all. I'm like definitely either from Mars or I'm from like the Outer Rim, but I'm definitely not from Earth. No, I'm Team Earth. Okay. 
<laughs> well, yeah, they're also from Earth. <laughs> I just like that fact. You're such an Earther, Ben. <laughs> um, so they're badass because they're like on the coolest squad of Greys, and mm-hmm. Greys are like the best, uh, you know, fighters in groups. Yeah, these people, they've been like soldiers for like years, yeah, and they're like, like Darrow says, like these are gold killers. Like, yeah. Like Trigg's got, he's got tears. Gold teardrops. How many golds he's killed? That's pretty sweet. He has two, right? Yeah. That's like gangster. That's real gangster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Holiday has like a sick ass mohawk. Yeah. With her gray hair, and she's like popping bubble gum, like, <laughs> like, hey, Donto, you wanna, you wanna make him squeal? Why don't you pop his eardrums? Right. And then two seconds later, she blows his head off. Yeah. <laughs> and then also. The whole family is dope because they say that their mom made the snake bite cocktail. Yeah, maybe we Earth. should be giving this to the entire Nakamura family at this they point. Get, they party. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, for like, sure. Like, I think I want a snake bite <laughs> for the weekend. Yeah, for like your Saturday nights. Yeah, like, bef- <laughs> like before like I go on the dance floor, yeah. stab myself in the heart, get jacked. I probably like punch people. <laughs> so yeah, they are super badass besides how horrible it ends with Trig yep. dying. Um, I think even that moment is emotional because it, it talks about Holiday, how she like makes a choking sound and then how sad it is when she's shooting at Aja with her empty right. gun. Cause she wants to kill her so badly. And Daryl talks about that. Like in the previous chapter, he's like holiday. doesn't see, you know, Trig as the soldier. She sees him as her little brother. Like yeah. she wants to protect him. So when they decide to go help him save Victra, that's a huge decision on their part because ultimately they're like, they were out of there. If they just chill, don't yeah. say anything to Vixus. They're going to get on a plane and fly out of there before anybody knows what's going on. And Trig was the one who was like on board. He's right. like, yep, boss, I'll do what you say. Yep. And and like we were talking about in the Prime 5, I think it's just a credit to Pierce's writing, like how quickly he gets these characterizations established and then you immediately care about these characters. And, and then he rips your heart out. And in typical Pierce fashion. <laughs> Why do we like this guy? <laughs> if you're friended this to you, you wouldn't be friends with them anymore. So, Holiday and Trig. Primus is Primus of, the week is, of the week. Is it just Primus? Like, that's plural? <laughs> I don't know I how don't that know. works. Primuses. <laughs> Primuses of the week. Thanks, Nakamura's, for your sacrifice. Thank you. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? All right. Uh, what are you into this week, Aaron? I'm into a Netflix show. Uh, it's a documentary series about sports failures, and it's called Losers. I saw this. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it looks yeah, really good. It's well done. It's um, about these like big famous mistakes or losses mm-hmm. and how they shape the person, the athlete who lost, and like kind of how it shapes their life and the direction of their life. Do they go really dark and start killing people with razors and stuff? Yes. (laughs) And there's space battles. (laughs) But they do have, it's not just like football, basketball. They have like curling and 
figure skating and boxing. And I, I don't know a lot about sports, so I don't know a lot of, about the failure, but it's interesting to see the loss from their point of view. And then it's, it's a very like empathetic look on it. Cause they also interview their family members and people who's close to them. So you, you kind of see how the loss impacts everyone. Mm-hmm. And then in, the episodes I've watched, it it typically turns positive. Like yeah. because of this loss, you know, this happened. That's and cool. then it all works out. Darrow should watch it because he's kind of a loser <laughs> right now. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and he that's can funny. be inspired. <laughs> yep, that's what I'm into. Ben, what are you into? I am into the big picture podcast. So after you've listened to all of Holler Pod you can go listen to this podcast. It's called The Big Picture Podcast. It's about movies. I'm like a movie obsessive. I love learning about movies, the way they're made, hearing uh, directors talk about their visions for the movies that they've made. And so The Big Picture Podcast is all about that. Uh, They do, like sometimes they'll do like a movie review. If it's a a big movie just came out, they'll have a podcast afterwards about, about the movie. Or there's often a lot of interviews with, the directors of the movies and it's like current movies as they come out talking about kind of their vision and it's just a really yeah it's a it's a really cool podcast if you're into filmmaking and movies in general which i am so i would highly suggest that check it out big picture podcast hosted by sean fennessy (laughs) i was like pierce brown Cool. Big picture podcast and Netflix documentary series, Losers. What are we doing next episode on HowlerPod? Morningstar, chapters 8 through 12. It gets a little happier. Yeah, it's really smart that we're going to keep reading Morningstar. Yeah, I I thought maybe we could switch to Twilight, (laughs) but Ben was like, nah, that's stupid. That's chapters 8 through 12. Follow us and rate and review five stars only, or else we'll put you in a box. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email howlerpod@gmail.com. Thanks, Howlers. Omnis Verlupus. Ow! Ow!